Hello and welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Jeff Heisner with the Michigan District, and today we're talking about Proposition 3 with Pastor Dennis Matthias from St. Paul in Bay City and Pastor Paul Clark, a pastor at St. Paul in Fowler and president of Lutherans for Life. So what is Prop 3? Well, this, this is a proposal that uh, basically would open up everything when it comes to abortion in Michigan in a way that it would be enshrined in the Constitution. So mm -hmm. in Michigan, we have state laws already on the books that once Roe fell and the Dobbs mm -hmm. decision came about, uh, these pro-life laws would go back into effect. This would not only uh, keep that from going back into effect, but it would strip away everything we have even managed to pass right. in the years up until now, such as parental consent, uh, uh, ban on partial birth abortions, and so on. This basically would, would allow abortions all the way up until birth and perhaps post-birth as well. Uh, there would be no parental consent. That would be stripped away. Uh, they would be uh, open to tax funding. Uh, no conscientious objection you know, uh, allowed for people. Uh, pursuing that, uh, and no medical oversight. Uh, even abortion clinics would no longer be under any regulation whatsoever. Uh, so it's just a horrific proposal in every way. It is, it is the, and I can say this absolute, it is the most radical proposal Absolutely. of any state in the, in the United States. Yep. Yeah. And it is, more, it is more than just abortion and abortion rights. It is, because it also will open the door for all sorts of the whole parental consent thing would apply also to a, a child seeking gender uh, change and uh, mm. surgeries and various things like that. Uh, so it, it, it just it goes beyond everything. I mean, this would open a can of worms uh, past anything we've ever seen in Michigan, and it, we would have no recourse. I mean, the, the, the loopholes are there in such a way that we would almost have no voice to stop any of this. It would be because they would just say, nope, it's written in the into Constitution. the Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the bait and switch, too, yes. is that once uh, Roe fell, everyone's like, oh, great, Roe fell. Well, what all that did was revert that right back to the individual states, which increases democracy literally. That's the definition of that. Right. But unfortunately, in Michigan, even though we had some, some pretty conservative laws on the books before Roe, uh, they use that opportunity and that hysteria of, oh no, what are we going to do, yes. to trick people into signing this this uh, petition, and that's how it got on the on the ballot. Exactly. So a lot of people, unfortunately, yeah. and I'm I'm afraid that this is true, are going to go to the poll, and if they're pro-choice in any way, even like the classical sense, safe, legal, and rare, or whatever, they would have no idea that this would, even if you're pro-choice, right. this would make it far less safe and far less rare. It would just make it legal. It's extremely radical. Extremely, and that's why the, the, a lot of the yard signs that the other side is using in this are rest, restore Roe. Yeah. This does not, this is, that is a lie no, right there because this yeah. way goes way beyond <laughs> Roe because it, it, you know, Roe allowed these exceptions and states yeah. to regulate right. certain things. This strips it of all of that, so it's way beyond Roe. So that's a deception. And that's one of the big complaints is that the way that the bill is written um, leaves a lot of ambiguity. What are your thoughts on the way the bill is written? Well, yeah, it's confusing. It's it, Obviously, it's too extreme, but it's confusing, I think, intentionally vague because then laws based, if it's in the Constitution, then further laws can be radicalized after this and because now you'd have this this benchmark, this, this starting right. point to springboard off and do, and do anything like that. Well, like, so you, you mentioned uh, even infanticide. Right. Well, that would come later. Exactly. But Naturally. But it could easily fit in. Yes. Yeah, it could. And we've even had in our coalition uh, to battle this, 
uh, we have pro-life lawyers uh, that have talked to us about this, and they say that language is so vague and written in such a right. way that there mm -hmm. will be case after case of challenging yep. things in there, but that probably we would lose on because the loopholes are there for uh, for them to do almost anything they want. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, in in a lot of those cases, all it would take is the right judge, yes. or the wrong judge. Yes. Depending on where you are on that. That's exactly the problem. Yeah. You're flipping a coin at that point right. because it's so vague. So what was your reaction when this, when you first heard about the bill, and especially it being here in Michigan? I'd have to say that because I'd have to back up all the way because we were hoping it would never come to a bill. We, when we first uh, formed the coalition and talked with Right to Life of Michigan and everything, it was when they were doing the petition drive. Right. So we were first just praying they wouldn't get enough signatures, and we were trying to get the truth out there of what people were really signing, yeah. that it's yeah. not just about women's health care and reproductive rights. Uh, but, of course, they got the uh, signatures, and then we had to move to the next stage. Well, that's when they jumbled all the language on it. Right. They didn't even write it clearly. They had words all compressed together. There's typos, yeah. Yeah, and that's ne never in Michigan's history have we ever allowed anything to go to a ballot that had typos on it. But apparently they made an exception for this. That's the ideology behind it. So we couldn't stop it there, even though we challenged it based on the language. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, I guess our, our reaction is, we sort of knew this was coming. We knew this would be the battle oh, post row, yeah. and this is going to be a tough one, but we've got to take it on fully. We've got to take this head on, and we have to defeat it. And yeah. Dennis, how about, how about I, you? Yeah, same thing. I was just, I, it, that something like this is happening is not surprising to me at all. You know, I'm pretty pessimistic about this. But the extreme nature of it was shocking even to me. Yeah. And it's because of this, just this moment in history where we are politically in the state of Michigan, it's, it's, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that that's why it's so extreme. Like we were talking earlier, every state in the country is going to be watching this. This yeah. is the most radical proposal. Well, that's why so millions of dollars are yeah. being poured into Michigan from outside, yeah. from far left sources to, to beef this up. Right. And we're, we're outmanned and outnumbered and yeah. outmatched. And yeah. it's because the majority of the people in Michigan don't get, they don't know. Right. Like, like that video you guys yes. had. Yes. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Right. Um, so, Pastor, you told me earlier yeah. uh, you've got a sign in front of the church. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take us through the story that you, that you told me. So I, got, <laughs> I have a good relationship with Right to Life of Michigan. And uh, they, have the, they had this huge 4 by 8 sign. Uh, no Prop 3. You know, we've seen them around. And I said, well, let's, this is, we have this relationship and we're active in this scene, so go ahead and put it up across, across from the church, kind of next to our soccer field there. Well, I get a phone call on Wednesday morning, or Wednesday afternoon, saying our, our sign's been taken down, our sign's been torn down or whatever. So I met two people from Right to Life across the street, just popped over there. And sure enough, someone had taken a, a knife or a box cutter or something and cut all the zip ties and damaged the sign a little bit. Now, it didn't damage it to the point of where we couldn't put it back up again, but it was clearly, it was very obviously, like this is, okay, well this is destruction of property and this is illegal, and so I want these stats on the record, so I called the police. I'm gonna make a police report. Not because I expect to ever figure out who did this, you know, whatever, yeah. that's not the point. The point is, I want these stats, I want everybody to be able to know, Good. this is how many conservative and pro-life signs were damaged by the opposition, right? So we're standing out there, the three of us are standing out there on the side of the road, and while we were waiting for the police, this, this guy comes tearing down the street, parks in the parking lot across the street, gets out, 
sees us and starts screaming obscenities at us. Middle fingers, obscenities, the whole thing. I'm like, wow, okay, this was unsolicited, this was unprovoked, and then that wasn't enough for him. He came charging across the street and got inches away from my face. I seriously thought he was about to assault me. And everything is running through my head at that point. Even, like, I, I don't think I can defend myself. Not, like, ability-wise, but I, I don't think that I should mm -hmm. even defend myself because, you know, I'm reading stories about the FBI raiding pro-life people's houses. They're looking yeah. for stuff like that. Yeah. Whatever I say or do is going to be used against me later. And it, indeed, that's what happened. Like, the guy just berated us and called us fascists, which I found very ironic, because fascism limits speech. And I was saying, that's, you have a right to your opinion. And he was just everything. This guy was not interested in a conversation. It was completely illogical. It was completely irrational. Uh, and and it, was, it was frightening. And at one point, uh, one of the Right to Life gals put her hand on my back and started praying out loud for me. And uh, he starts mocking her because she's praying for me, like this whole big thing. So eventually, uh, or at one point, I, I said, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, because you're, you're, we're, we're not being productive here. And he said explicitly that I'm trying to make you uncomfortable and her uncomfortable and him uncomfortable so that you take down that terrible sign, blankety, blankety, blank. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. This is like, I, I tell people about this. I know that this happens. And now with this experience, I have experienced it myself. The opposition, Literally, they, this guy told me his goal was to bully the pro-life position into silence. The last thing that guy wanted was for anybody to actually understand what this proposal meant. Yes. And that's the whole purpose of the sign is to bring an awareness to this. So if somebody drives by and they say, what is Prop 3? And then they go home, they do their own research, and they make the decision for themselves. And that's, God bless America, that's what... The, the system of democracy yeah. is all about. But then he, uh, so eventually he left and then takes to, uh, takes to social media and starts spreading lies and says that I pushed him while he walked away or something like that. And then, um, long story short, the, I, I noticed that conveniently he disappeared when the cops were showing up. So we filed a, a police report, it's on file at the sheriff's, sheriff's office, and then the cops in our neighborhood uh, back to blue because they were watching our place like a hawk for the rest of the week. And then, conveniently, all of the stuff that he said, like, disappeared. So I don't know if they had a conversation with him or what. You know, we knew the guy's name because he was messaging our church and putting all this <laughs> stuff down. So we abandoned him and blocked him and, and did all that. But as I told my people the story on Sunday, uh, when all was said and done, and we're trying to, you know, we're reeling from it and trying to, what, what just happened here? Uh, they asked me, uh, what do you what do you want us to do with the sign now? I would totally understand pastor if you want us to take it away whatever and I immediately I said put it back up I am not yielding an inch of ground to a pitchfork mob right. This is exactly what they want for us to be frightened enough and intimidated enough Not to stand up for something that is simply as moral as can we not kill babies, please? right yeah, this is the tactic of the, oh, it is, it's a mob tactic now, and this is being used all over the place against pregnancy yes. centers. Yes, for life. Uh, look at the teens in Washington at the Life March. The, yes. The, 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 the were, the, this is the tactic of the radical left right now, and we're going to bully you, we're going to frighten you, and you'll shut up, and we can't. So 
Thanks they, to you for standing for that and to your congregation. They believe that this is that they're moral from doing it. They believe yeah. that they have some sort of moral oh, high ground by they, doing this. They're yeah. not interested in conversation. So I, I hear from well-intentioned Christians sometimes, uh, well, there is such a division and we want to, we don't want to perpetuate this division, whatever yeah. I said. This is it's too late for that. Like Vadi Bakum wrote a book called Fault Lines, and the point was that there was there's a fault line, like an earthquake, and his whole theory was it's already happening. You just have to make sure you're on the right side, and what he meant was the biblical side, the moral mm -hmm. side, the Christian side of it, while our entire society is being torn apart. Yes. So their tactic is not to find some sort of common ground. If you get out of your car and scream obscenities and get into somebody's face who you don't know and didn't say anything to you but was literally just standing at the side of the road, we have no common ground. In church, it's a difficult topic for many pastors to talk about, many church workers to talk about. What advice would you like to give them? This has been something that we've dealt with for years, of course, on this issue. But now, more than ever, I'm seeing there's a galvanization on this. And there, there, you can't stand by. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you are a pastor, if you are called to be faithful to the biblical word and to Christ, and we're talking about this onslaught that is, you know, there's, uh, this, this is an absolute onslaught, uh, genocide of our unborn children. There, you cannot be quiet. That's, uh, that, that didn't work in Nazi Germany. Uh, who's, the, who's the ones we remember uh, back there in Germany? It's people like Bonhoeffer, right, That's, that stood out. There's probably a lot of pastors will never know their names or remember their names in history that just quietly submitted to the Nazis. So pastors have to do what pastors have to do, and that's speak the truth, and they cannot be afraid to speak that truth from the pulpit, but from the church. This is not a political issue. This is a moral issue, a spiritual issue, and it's part of the church's work. The church needs to stand up for the unborn. And so I would just appeal to all pastors to, to, to not hide behind any smoke screens here. That time's gone. You need to stand and stand now. We are at the edge of a precipice, and, uh, and, and we need to stem the tide. Well said, Paul. I would add, too, even if it, it is also a political issue, and I think that's where a lot of people will have trouble. They'll say, yes, no, well, solely okay, well, we've got this, issue, uh, right. like, separate these two things here. So I would encourage pastors to educate their people about our Lutheran doctrine of the two kingdoms. Yeah. We, yes, we are, we have got both feet in the kingdom of grace, and we've got both feet in yeah. the kingdom of law, and how we interact with our neighbors and how we serve each other in society and live in peace and quiet is through that kingdom of the law. Yeah. And we do have a responsibility as Christians to be good citizens, and that includes being informed on what these issues are. So where, where the ground gets blurry is when people think, well, it's a politics thing and it doesn't belong in the church. No, 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 right. let's be clear about this. Churches should not and cannot, ought not to, endorse or yeah. trash any individual candidate, right. candidate or party Yes. But when it comes to moral issues, you know, you're never going to hear me talk about gas prices from the pulpit, right? Unless it's a joke or something like that. And probably not even then. But if it's a moral issue that goes to the fabric of the identity of the human spirit made in the image of God, 
goes right back How to the incarnation. How could you not talk I, this about is, it? Yeah, this is, I mean, if we understand the incarnation and the miracle of Christ uh, coming into this world, what? As a baby, as an infant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole incarnational aspect. So you cannot in any way defend the murder of the unborn. And you're absolutely well, this right, happened so we have to speak about when it. When we had the, the, the dismemberment petition, Right. That unfortunately was unsuccessful. Right. I was very disappointed with a lot of churches around the you know the greater area where I was that didn't want to do that. Could have gotten five six hundred signatures, but yeah. they didn't make it available to the people. Why? Why? They because didn't want, yeah. they didn't want to upset somebody. No. They didn't want to offend I somebody. So that's the other encouragement. Yeah. I so. I mean those that know me know that I'm probably not. The, the best one to say this, but if somebody gets upset, that's the breaks. Right. You you already you preach the gospel for crying out loud. You already sound crazy. You you think <laughs> that a guy died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and because of that, the world is going to be restored to glory right. when he comes again? Like you already sound like the world thinks this is absolute lunacy. So if you stand up there and say, hey, you know what? I think we should value human life which has been made in the image of God and redeemed in Jesus Christ, and somebody stands up in the back and goes, I'm really upset because you said that, I would say, I'm sorry that you're upset. That's Lord, true. to whom shall we go? Yeah. You have the words of, the, of eternal life. So and I'm not going to apologize. I'm sorry that you feel that way. And I'm not going to intentionally like alienate you. I'm not going to mock you. I'd like to sit down and talk to you about this, but... We have to actually, you have to actually be open and receptive to what God has to say about this. But if pastors in the church are not going to take a stand, who will? If pastors in the church are not going to be the voice for the unborn, who will? So yeah, there is no way. This is something that now, uh, it, it, it's, it's at a monumental moment in history right now as far as Michigan. There's no doubt about this. We must defeat this proposal. We must do everything possible to do that. Uh, we know, you know. God willing, we'll carry on no matter what happens, of course. Or yeah. people, you know, of hope. We're gonna, we are hopes in Christ. But in the meantime, we're going to work, you know, our butts off, if you don't mind me saying, yep. uh, to <laughs> see that this proposal goes down. <laughs> and that's what we're appealing all people, to, to get that word out. God grant um, and, and to try to make everybody aware of what this will really do to our state. Pastors, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for, for all you're thank doing. You. And we want to thank you, the listener, also for making this podcast part of your day. God bless.